This is such a familiar passage. You shouldn't even need to turn there to be able to just quote this passage with me from Matthew chapter 3, one verse, verse number 11. I feel it is fitting for us to look at on this Pentecost Sunday evening. Amen. Has the Lord been good to you today? Matthew chapter 3, verse number 11, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. With the Holy Ghost and with fire. Acts chapter 2 says, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were in one place in one accord. I read it to you this morning. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them, and they all began to speak with other tongues. I want to preach by the help of the Lord for a little bit tonight. The fire still falls. The fire still falls. Lord, we need the help of the Holy Ghost tonight. We need the fire of the Holy Ghost to fall in this house tonight. There is no way I can do this alone, God, but with you and through you and by you. God, that your spirit and your power would meet with us in this house. In Jesus' name, turn to two or three people around you tonight. Greet them. Tell them the fire still falls. Now, as I look around the room tonight, I notice that most, most of us here are very familiar with what I am intending to speak on tonight. As I begin to talk about the fire of the Holy Ghost. And we all love those breakout services where the fire of the Holy Ghost falls. They're powerful, they're moving, they're memorable, they are life changing. And we all know what it takes in order to have a fire. You cannot have fire without fuel. The fuel must reach a combustible temperature and you can have a fire. But it re will require fuel. Some type of fuel is required for every fire, whether it be wood, Coal, gas, trash, leaves, limbs, houses, cars. Don't anybody get ideas? You must have fuel in order to have a fire. Now, I'm going to cut through the chase tonight and just say this, but we're a group of apostolic people in the house tonight, and we all love the fire. 
but none of us like the process of gaining the fuel. The fuel is something that costs us. The fuel comes through prayer, through consecration. It comes through fasting. It comes through sacrifice. The fuel will cost you. Everybody loves the Sunday night shout, but nobody likes the price of the fuel. We all like to enjoy the fire, but none of us enjoy the process of getting the fire to fall. But I came tonight to remind us that the fire still falls. And that the fire ought to fall more often. Can I just preach to us where we are tonight? I know that there's some great things happening in and around the church. I thank God for the tremendous reports that have come home from Greece, that have come in today from Nashville. And uh, we thank God for all of the, the folks that are graduating and all the good things that are happening, the people that are able to... Uh, that, that, that are able to travel and different things and have people out tonight. And we understand that and, and uh, it's real easy for us to come in on a Sunday night and just relax and say, let's just have a little service and uh, maybe the preacher won't meddle too much and we'll just go through the motions and we'll go home. Unfortunately, the preacher doesn't know the attitude that the church is going to come with. You can only predict the attitude the people are going to come with. And sometimes when the expectation and the preparation of the preacher is different from the expectation and anticipation of the church. We got to work together a little bit to get on the same page. And this is Pentecost Sunday. All over the country, people have been having revival services on Pentecost Sunday. We can't afford to come and go through the motions on this Sunday night. We need the fire of the Holy Ghost to fall. I said we need the fire of the Holy Ghost to fall. God has always been attracted to fire. And God has always used fire. There were... There was fire that was burning in the entrance of the garden in the beginning. The angel of the Lord carried a flaming fire when he drove Adam and Eve out of the garden. There was fire at the burning bush when God spoke to Moses. The brazen altar of the tabernacle had fire. There was fire at Abraham's altar. There was fire at Mount Carmel. There was fire uh, but, uh, there was the fire of the pillar that led the children of Israel through the darkness of the wilderness. The three Hebrew boys were tried by fire. Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed by fire. And cloven tongues like as a fire fell on the day of Pentecost. And Jesus said, I come to fill you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Now, I know some folks say, well, I got the Holy Ghost and I've got the fire, but there's no sign of the fire. I got to come tonight to remind you that if there is fire before long, it will eventually break out. 
You can't have a fire burning and keep it contained too long until it's going to become obvious that there is some fire burning. If you've been filled with the Holy Ghost and with fire, there ought to be a little fire that burns in you once in a while. It's got to become obvious once in a while. Your worship ought to detect, ought to be a great, uh, ought to be a great reminder. Hey, there's fire in me. Your testimony ought to be fiery. Your life ought to be filled with Holy Ghost fire. John the Baptist, the forerunner of Christ, came and he said, I indeed baptize you with water under repentance. But one cometh after me that's mightier than I, whose shoes I'm unworthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. I want to remind you that when he filled you with the Holy Ghost, that he filled you with fire. Because the Holy Ghost doesn't come without fire. When you get the fire of the Holy Ghost burning in you, it will put joy in you. It will put passion in you. It will put motivation in you. It will put drive in you. It will put faith in you. It will cause you to want to do more than what you've ever done before. One writer said it like this. It's like fire shut up in my bones. In my opinion, There's nothing more pathetic than an apostolic church. Can I be apostolic tonight? There is nothing more pathetic than an apostolic church that is cold, dreary, weary, lethargic, unmovable, unchangeable. Sometimes Gentry is kind of new to the evangelistic field and He travels out. He'll go to one place and come home. He'll say, Dad, my word, that place was on fire. The next place, he'll say, Dad, that place was tough. (laughs) The deal is the fire's not burning. And often the reason the fire is not burning is because people are not sacrificing to gain the fuel. we got to get some wood gathered. It requires some labor and some work. There is a price to pay for the fuel. I, I know we short circuit it all today. We just, you know, we like to hook up to the gas and turn on the fireplace with the remote. Kick back and take it easy and turn it off. And there's a little price to be paid. And we don't pay too much attention to it and just let it move on. But if we back up a little bit, and some of you may still burn the real wood in the fireplace. You know, you got to, well, nowadays it seems like you just, you know, you, you have that number you call and they deliver the wood. But let's go back a little while where that wasn't an option and you had to go out and cut the wood and you had to split the wood. When I was a kid, my dad used to put me out. One of the jobs I hated the most was splitting wood. I didn't know how. I didn't know. I, 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 didn't, I, I went out. I didn't, wasn't very trained in it. I'd go out and I didn't understand that I didn't understand that there were some techniques to it and I'd go out with an old axe that was half dull. I'd start trying to split wood. I didn't like the I didn't I'd get blisters on my hands. It was hot in the summertime. I'm thinking, why am I splitting wood? Our winter only lasts about a month. If we get to build a fire, it was pleasurable. But the labor to, to, to gather the wood was so costly. 
We, we all love the shout. We all love the dynamic move of God. We all love it when the Holy Ghost power falls. We all love it when miracles, signs, and wonders happen. But I came tonight to remind us that if we want the fire, we've got to be willing to sacrifice. I'm calling the church tonight back into sacrifice, back into prayer, back into labor, back into worship. I'm calling the church tonight back into preparation for revival I don't want to go through the motions I don't want to become a pathetic cold dry denominational church that's where we we came out of that mess we came out of all that cold dry dead nothing I want to come into a service that is red hot and on fire It's all right with me to pick up a few bobby pins. It's all right with me to straighten a banner or two. Hey, I came tonight to have apostolic church. I came tonight to see the fire fall. Because when the fire begins to fall, lives will be changed. God baptized us with the Holy Ghost and fire. The church is called to be the landmark and the lighthouse that points the way to heaven in a landscape that is often filled with uncertain realities that we live in. But when the church loses its vibrancy and its light grows dim, we find ourselves easily enamored with other things that make up our lives and our focus shifts from where we're going to where we are now. The urgency of eternal judgment takes a back seat to the more imminent sensory inputs of the world around us. This world becomes our home. We soon lose our way and we forget that this world is not our home and that life is only a vapor here today and gone tomorrow. If we're not careful, we'll lose our focus and we'll lose our grip on what is really important. Life becomes complicated with things, with jobs, with hobbies, with the pull of the ever-increasing compulsion to go further and further into this world and further and further away from God. There is none in the room that understands the pressures of life any more than I do. And I, 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 I understand when you say, Pastor, I am so busy. Somebody told me today I'm being forced to work 60, 70 hours a week. I understand the dynamic. I understand raising children. I understand having teenagers in the home. I understand working second jobs. I understand bills to try to get paid. I understand the dynamic of this life. We have advanced ourselves so much in this world that we're losing a grip on life. We're rushing and getting to nowhere. But the need for more, to gain more, to have more, finer homes, finer cars, finer clothes, and it pushes us to work more, labor more, and have less time. Unfortunately, in the middle of the hustle and bustle of life, church takes a back seat. We're so busy with everything else that God takes a back seat. 
We pray if we have time. We fast when it is more convenient. We show up to church when we can. What's happening in our society, I will say that there is only one solution and revival is the only solution. Without the bright and shining light of a red hot apostolic revival, we'll only stumble about in darkness. And only a Holy Ghost revival can relight those fires of passion again. I believe it is the will of God for every apostolic church to burn with the fire of the Holy Ghost. I believe it is the will of God for every person that has been filled with the Holy Ghost to not just claim membership in a church, but to have revival fire burning in us. The word revival in most cases is misunderstood because it suggests bringing a dead body back to life again. But I am of the persuasion that I don't think that you have to be dead to need revival. When the church loses its burning passion for the things of God, it needs revival. It ceases to be an, or, an organism and becomes merely an organization, a business. And when we began to look at church as an organization, a meeting place, or a business... We need revival. A church without the fire of the Spirit will lack the spiritual strength to travail, to see souls brought through, children brought forth. And the church will begin to rely more upon mechanics, talent, machinery, mechanisms, programs. I don't ever want a program to replace preaching. I don't ever want a program to replace worship. I don't ever want talent to replace our genuine apostolic worship. I thank God for talent. Give me great talent. Give us great new songs. But let's get back down to the business of saying it's not about how pretty I sound, but it's how much worship and how much praise is pleasing to Him. The issue is, is we all love the stage. We all love the spotlight. But the issue is, is that that fire is not built on Sunday nights. Nor on the stage. Nor in front of the crowd. But a Holy Ghost fire is is started and built in the private moments when we are alone with God. Moses was alone with God when he received the Ten Commandments. Elijah was alone with God when he was miraculously fed by an angel and he went on the strength of that meat for 40 days. The late G.T. Haywood apostolic pastor in the early 1900s was looking for a direction from the Lord when he locked himself in an Indianapolis office for several days of prayer and fasting. He came out of his office singing, I see a crimson stream of blood. 
It was from that fire that one of the greatest revivals from Indianapolis began to spread and came here into Frankfurt. I came today to remind you that we need to get alone with God and we need to build an apostolic altar and we need to build a fire in that altar that when we come walking into the sanctuary, this sanctuary is not where the fire is built. The fire is built in the prayer room. The fire is built in our personal fasting our personal prayer and in our daily lives and when we walk into this service that fire will burn and catch up on fire like it's never burned before a couple of years ago I was working with a pro- on a project out with brother Mark Blodgett helping him do some cleanup. we built a few fires We'd build great big fires. Those fires would burn for a while. We were burning trees, lumber, debris, anything you could possibly imagine. Don't tell anybody we may have burned a few tires. (laughs) That fire would burn for a while, and before long, it would go down. There was still great, huge trunks of trees that were there. They were smoldering. Another one over here that was smoldering. Another one over there that was smoldering. You could throw something in. It would catch up real quick, burn, burn out, and it'd go back to smoldering. I could take that machine that I was using and I could catch a hold of one of those smoldering timbers. I could push it deeper into the fire. Go to the other side and catch one of those smoldering timbers and push it together. And you take those big old logs and you shove them together. When the heat of one begins to merge with the heat of another. And when you bunch that fire up, you know what happens. You've built fires before. Before long, that log that was just smoldering and just a few glowing embers would catch up and begin to burn. I'd back away from that thing, give it a few minutes, look back, and man, that fire would be roaring. Come on, do I have to actually apply this tonight? There's some good folks in the church and you burn and catch on fire. But when you come to church, you don't engage. You want to sit by yourself and stay to yourself and keep your worship over here and let them worship over there. But let me tell you what happens when you come together in one mind, one place, and one accord. You get a Pentecost. Let me tell you what happens, saint of God. There's some good folks that's been burning. You got some fire in you, but we need to get together like we never have before. Even so much the more as we see the day approaching. We need to come together in one mind, one place, and one accord. We need to bunch up together, and we need to let there be a fire on the altar in the house of God. Listen, if we spend as much time promoting every church service as we do giving our words of wisdom 
self-promoting, being silly. If we would get together and start talking about, let me tell you what's going to happen at church. (laughs) I can't wait to get there because when I get there, you know who I'm going to see? I'm going to see another sister that's on fire. And I'm going to see another brother that's been fasting. I'm going to stop finding fault. Listen, if we would quit picking at one another and finding the little faults, if you, if you want to pick at me, there's so many faults, you can't write them down. Go ahead and start trying. You're going to be right until Jesus comes. I'm full of faults. I'm full of failures. And so are you. There's none of us perfect. But if we'll quit picking each other apart and looking at one another's faults and failures and finding, well, look at them. Look at them over there. Boy, they really think there's something. They've been smoldering for a while. Let's just push those things aside and let's come together in the house of the Lord. Let's get in one place, one mind, and one accord. The one accord means unity. It's speaking of unity of spirit. It's speaking of unity of faith. It's speaking of unity of purpose. When the church comes together, and I don't care how you look, what you sound like, I just come together in the house of God because I want to have a Holy Ghost fire burn on the altar. The last thing, the last lively conversation that I had with Brother Price I was in the living room of his house. It was two or three weeks before he died. I was sitting there in the living room with him. We were talking. And I always knew, and he did too, when he would say, Now, Brother Jordan, I'm not going to tell you what to do. Okay. I was good with that. Sometimes I wish he would have told me what to do. Sometimes he'd look at me and start laughing and say, that's your problem. And I'd say, but you created it. The last thing he said to me, he said, Brother Jordan, you're doing good. The church is growing. God's showing me we're going to have a great, powerful church. The last few weeks he spoke to me, he spoke to my wife, he spoke to others. He said God showed him in a vision that there was going to be a massive church. He used the term mega church. I don't even know what a mega church is. I think they define that as a church over a thousand. I'm not putting those limits on God. He said you're doing a good job. He said but there's one thing. He said Can you get with Sister Cheryl and can y'all get some fire in those altar call songs? (laughs) He said, my God, I don't want to cry every time I come to church. He said, once in a while, can you end the service and can you? I said, yes, sir, I can. Whatever that means. But I understand what the bishop was saying. What he was saying is you got to have some fire. In the preaching. In the worship. And in the altar call. 
I feel the help of the Holy Ghost tonight. Let me tell you, wanna, sit down for a minute because I'm going to pester for a while. One of the most distracting things that can happen is when the altar call becomes pre-dismissal. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one mind, one place, accord. Hmm. You mean they weren't kicked back, watching the clock, wondering what time they were going to get out? Listen, everything that we do is leading up to that moment. The singing, the worship. The choir practices, the music practices, even the preaching. Oh, I thought the preaching was so that I get fed. The preaching. He chose the foolishness of preaching to save those that are lost. There is a purpose to everything that we're doing. And the purpose is is to get to that one most important moment of the service. We've got to change our mindset from altar call being pre-dismissal. Well, let's see. We've all really, you know, just before the preachings, that great song. And we save the best to that moment. And we do the show. And then the preacher does his show. God help us. And he makes his point, and once we get it, it's time to hurry up and get to dismissal and get out of here. If you want to know the next step that God wants to take this church into, it is for us to, to truly understand the power of Pentecost and understand that a 10-day prayer meeting and a Holy Ghost outpouring did not happen during pre-dismissal. It happened while they were tarrying. Now we have lost a dynamic in the modern apostolic church. Ooh, I feel the Holy Ghost from the top of my head to the sole of my feet. I grew up understanding what it meant to have a tarrying service. For those young people that don't know what a tarrying service is, it means a long altar call when somebody is trying to break through to receive the Holy Ghost. And in my growing up years, this is how my dad used to handle that. He used to say it like this. You didn't know dad in his prime. In his prime, he might have been a little bit bold. And in his prime, he would say, if you're not going to help us in the Tarian service, God bless you, be dismissed. 
because we do not need any distractions. Now, I have never said that to you here, and I don't intend to because here is what I want to say. If you need the Holy Ghost, you need to be in the Tarian service. If you got the Holy Ghost, you need to be creating faith in the Tarian service. My dad dismissed because he preached for two hours. And we had song service for two hours and we started at 7.30. And about 11.30 he'd say, now if you got to go, go on, get out of here. But now somebody's got to get the Holy Ghost. And that's why they brag about, well, everybody got the Holy Ghost after midnight when they didn't start altar call at 11.30. Brother Borders, you act like you know what I'm talking about. You see, here's what the deal is. We've shortened service up. We've tried to become more, uh, 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 more streamlined, more, more modernized, more considerate of time in this fast pace. I'm not, I'm not wanting to have church to midnight, but if that's what it takes. I'm okay with how we have church. I'm good with our programming. I love our music. I love our worship. I love what Brother Danny and Sister Cheryl put together. They put a good plan together. But when it comes time for altar call, a lot of times we've only been in church an hour and a half, hour and 45 minutes. Rarely has it been over two hours. Instead of us disengaging, running on about our business, how about that 100% of us would say, hey, now is the most important time. I either need to be in the altar being filled with the Holy Ghost or I need to be creating an environment for somebody else to be filled with the Holy Ghost. We need the fire of the Holy Ghost to fall. And let me tell you how you build a fire. That's when you're burning and glowing hot and you get next to somebody else that's burning and glowing hot and they get next to somebody else. Before long, the Holy Ghost fire will begin to burn. We can no longer be satisfied with powerful services during the awakening. During a few special services. This has got to be every week. This has got to be consistent. I may preach a while tonight, but i got to tell you something. This week, the Lord began to speak some things into my spirit. The Lord began to deal with me about some things this week. And I come tonight to remind you that this world, it's going to pot. This world's falling apart. But the church has got to rise in this end time. And some of the things that got us here is what's going to see us through until Jesus comes. Oh, somebody give the Lord a shout of praise in the house. Can I preach for a few minutes? One of the key signs when somebody is hungry for God is how they respond to the opportunity to worship. Our worship speaks about our hunger for the Lord. A cold and indifferent and relaxed attitude about worship mirrors our feelings and our desire for revival. When we get hungry for revival, we respond to that call in a powerful, passionate manner. 
In other words, we do more than just show up and put in our time. But we respond with worship. The early church was on fire, and it was obvious. Mark 16 and 20 said, And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. The signs ought to still follow the church. A clear sign that a Holy Ghost fire is burning deep in your spirit is your attitude of expectation. It's whether we come in expecting nothing to happen or we come in expecting healings, Holy Ghost outpouring, gifts of the Spirit being poured out. Acts 1 and 8 said, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. That wasn't just talking about ministers. But you shall receive the power. We need the fire. We need fire in the pulpit, fire in the pew, fire on the platform, fire in our worship, fire in our Sunday school classrooms. Fire in our ministry meetings. We need the preacher to be on fire. The musicians to be on fire. And the saints need to be on fire. Board members need to be on fire. Worship team needs to be on fire. Sunday school teachers needs to be on fire. Everybody needs to be on fire. Look at your neighbor and ask him, are you on fire? Apostasy and revival are reoccurring, going all the way back into the times of Joshua. Whenever there's a great move of God, the church is energized, becomes vibrant, embraces the move of the Spirit, becomes part of their lives, the vibrant move of the Spirit of God, joy and gladness, all the signs of the times, prosperity and life uplifts. Everybody, the church itself is blessed. The entire society around it is blessed. It's wonderful times. But within a short while, if you notice, the brightness begins to fade and the wonderful blessings of the intimate walk in the Spirit begins to be taken for granted and traded for a fascination with the things of this world. Our focus slowly shifts from the eternal to the temporal. From the longings of the soul to the lusts of the flesh. From the promises of the invisible to the immediate gratification of the present. Modern religion yields to cheap and easy grace, one that's less intrusive in our personal lives, less demanding on our will, When there is no price to pay, the value doesn't seem to be so precious. As with all things cheap, we find it much easier to discard something that we didn't pay much for. As the fires of revival simmer down to mere glowing coals, this church still retains its shape and its structure. It just loses its heart for revival. 
The heart of revival is not the wonderful feeling in the Spirit of God that flows through us or the excitement of the miracles and the supernatural manifestations of the Spirit, but rather the reaching of the soul toward God. This is the whole purpose and heart of revival. If the passion for revival fires is the heart of God, then worship must be the heart of every individual. And the winning of the lost must become the heart of the church. When we become more enamored with the things of this world than having a move of the Holy Ghost, experiencing breakout worship services, reaching lost souls, rejoicing when one is baptized or filled with the Spirit. We literally are turning off the faucet of revival and we are left with nothing but church as usual. We rarely notice our own backsliding and our own decline until our spiritual flow has been decreased to nothing but a mere dribble. Our candlestick is slowly removed and we gradually get used to the darkness until we no longer see and notice the darkness at all because our eyes have adjusted to the dimness of the world that we live in and we begin to call the darkness light. We need a revival fire burning. At times like these, God always sends a man to call us back to repentance, call us back to worship, and to call us back to revival. I know you hear my voice most every week and it can become redundant after 13 years of filling this pulpit almost every week. I know my voice can become, you can become numb to my voice and my call to prayer, my call to worship, my call to repentance. I understand it's more glorious to have an evangelist with a different voice, a different tone, a different rhythm, a different mannerism to stand in this pulpit and preach a, uh, preach a sermon to you. But can your pastor come on this Sunday night in May and say we've got to return to building fires in our personal life so that when we walk in the doors of this building the fire of God's spirit burns like it's never burned before. Oh somebody lift up your hands toward heaven. Let's call on the Lord for just a moment where we are. We need a revival God. We need a revival God. Perhaps we're in such a time as I've just described to you in the church right now. Particularly in the church in a broad sense. As leaders in America have made yet another push for the dechristianization of America, the church must be called to revival. I felt the Lord speak to me this week. And say the problem rests upon the shoulders of those filling the pulpits of truth preaching churches. We must be ready to combat whatever comes our way. 
regardless what government does, the church has got to be ready to fight the onslaught of the enemy. These are the times when only a red-hot blazing revival can make a difference. The world wants to be in their face, in our face with their agendas. We've got to turn this back around and let them know. You want to know where you can come on a Sunday night? I remember people used to show up to church and say, don't hold back now because I'm here. I want to see somebody run the aisles. I want to see somebody shout. And they got their wish because it happened every service. Now it's rare occasions. Come on, apostolic Pentecostal people on this Pentecost Sunday. How long has it been since you broke out of your shell, since you stepped out of your comfort zone and said, I'm going to set this church on fire. I'm going to take what fire I have and I'm going to turn it loose to the glory of God. We can't simply accept the decline and the decay of society, but we've got to shine brighter than we have ever shone before. Perhaps we are living, stand with me, perhaps we are living in the spiritual famine that Amos foretold. He said it would come to pass before the coming of the Lord. But he also declared that in that spiritual famine and during that great falling away, during that dechristianization of even the church that he foretold, he also declared in that day, there is going to be the greatest revival of all time. I didn't schedule it. God scheduled it. And the prophet foretold it. And he said, in the end time, right in the midst of the great falling away, there is going to be an end time revival. And I'm going to tell you who's going to experience the end time revival. It's not going to be the cold lethargic church it's going to be a Jesus name apostolic blood bought people that are not ashamed of the gospel of Christ and understand it is the power of God unto salvation that understands the only hope of the world is to get somebody right in the middle of a, middle of a red hot revival. Come on Christian Life Church, let's create a fire in this house tonight. Every person in this room that needs, that needs to reignite the fire, you need to get here to the front of this room tonight and say by the help of the Lord I need to burn hotter and brighter than I have ever burned. I need to be set on fire like I have never been set on fire. I don't want to stand alone, cold and indifferent, but throw me right in the middle of what God is wanting to do. Set me on fire, God. Burn me, Lord. Let me burn in me, God. Oh, yes. Burn in us, God. I will open up Fill me up, Come on, somebody pray a breakthrough prayer in this house. Somebody pray a breakthrough prayer in this house. Pastor, I don't feel anything. I dare you to come get right here in the middle of what's going on. You're going to feel it before you leave tonight. You're going to have a breakthrough before you leave tonight. Yes. Fill me up, God. Fill me up, God. 
That's it. Pray until you break through. Pray until you speak in a heavenly language. Pray until you break through in the spirit. Let revival fire burn fresh and new in you. Oh, yes. Come on, fan the flames. Fan the flames. Fan the flames. Let it burn. Let it burn, let it burn. That's it. 